Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by our Director of Media and Worship, Susan Alloway. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 this week, and I'm going to focus on verses 13 through 18. So let's read those now. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these, the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. <clears throat> Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. This is the word of the Lord. So what do you think of when I say... Keeping up with the Joneses. You can let me know. What do you think of? What image pops into your head? American capitalism. American capitalism. Yay. The American dream. Anything else? Anything specific? I'm not thinking of, or I'm not like waiting for something specific, but when I think of it, I see this typically. I see a sweet scene from the 1950s where on just dad's salary alone, this young couple with their sweet little boy and girl can afford a nice home with a nice yard and life is good. Mom has her heels on and probably her pearls too and she keeps house and is a good host and makes sure that supper is on the table at five o'clock. Hey guys. Um, at five o'clock sharp, when dad pulls into the driveway. The Joneses are our standard by which we measure success in life. Now, we can do an updated version of this, though. This picture is Chip and Joanna Gaines, the famous couple who do house remodels design and life brand work and recently began their own TV network. They are beautiful and they have a bunch of beautiful kids and they make beautiful things and they have a network, a net worth big enough for Google to care what their net worth is. I don't want to rag on these guys too much because I actually like them, but the point is culturally the Joneses or the Gaineses give us this ideal picture of what it's like for life to be really good. And we love to believe that what we see 
of them in pictures and on TV and in magazines is real. And then to compare ourselves to that reality. I know I compare myself to that. Um, Do I actually expect to ever have what they have? No, but I do constantly try to improve my house because it's what Joanna would do or my mom would do or my mother-in-law would do or countless other people who all have the same expectations of perfection in our heads. Now I'm gonna call this expectation all good all the time. That's what it means for life to be successful or perfect. For things to be all good all the time. That's what we aim for. Now we definitely don't wake up in the morning and think, gee, I hope that things go really badly today. I hope I completely forget about that meeting that I have and get fired for it. I hope I have to go to the hospital today and get my arm amputated. That sounds fun. Wouldn't it be great if no one ever loved me? Ever? We don't think these things, right? Why? Because these things are painful. They're hard. They're difficult. When things don't go as planned, it makes us feel like we're going backward. Like we're failing. Like we must be doing things wrong. Like we should be ashamed. Sometimes when it seems like things are going wrong in our lives, we even believe that God must be mad at us. We call this the problem of pain. God is good. God makes good things happen. So when bad things happen, either I must have done something wrong and this is my punishment, or maybe God is not so good after all. Or, in other words, if God is good, why is there evil in the world? That's the problem of pain. And we learned very early that there is a dichotomy in this world. There is good and there is bad. Pain is bad and pleasure is good. We learned that from day one. Look at this baby. This baby is wet and slimy and cold, and it is too bright, and he just got squeezed through a very tiny space, and his lungs are having to work for the first time, and he is uncomfortable. This is bad. But very soon, aww, he's dry, and he's warm, and he's fed, and he's next to a familiar heartbeat sound, and he's cozy. All of this is good. This is day one. Pain, discomfort is bad. Pleasure and comfort are good. But the passage that we just read today from Ecclesiastes says that we should rethink this. Let's read the first section again. This is Ecclesiastes 7. 13 through 15. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. 
God has made one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these, the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. To the writer of Ecclesiastes, the problem of pain is not a thing. At least it's not a legitimate argument against God's goodness or God's existence. God is at the core of both good and bad. End of story. And life events are not a litmus test of God's favor either. No, there's no, I'm good and so good things will happen to me. Or, bad things are happening so I must have done something wrong. If God is good, and God makes all things, then maybe we should reassess what we consider bad. And there are a lot of examples of this in scripture. A lot of people who seem to be on God's good side and yet experience a lot of pain. There's Job, who does absolutely nothing wrong, and yet everything in his life is destroyed. Many of the Old Testament prophets were tortured and killed. Jesus, who is God incarnate, is humiliated, tortured, and crucified. And except John, who was merely exiled, all of Jesus' disciples were martyred horrendously for trying to tell the story of Jesus' empire-shaking love. These are people whom Christians have the ultimate esteem for, And their lives look nothing like the Joneses. This is a painting of the Apostle Bartholomew. He was skinned alive and then beheaded. This is not all good all the time. So if things aren't clear-cut... Black and white, good or bad, how are we supposed to assess the events in our lives? I'd like to read you a Chinese proverb. And I first heard this in my world religions class at Karen University. So if Dr. Yoder can teach it to me at a conservative Christian university, I have no problem sharing with you here. Many years ago, A wise peasant lived in China. He had a son who was the apple of his eye. He also was the proud owner of a fine white stallion horse, which everyone admired. One day, his horse escaped from his grounds and disappeared. The villagers came to him one by one and said, You are such an unlucky man. It is such bad luck that your horse escaped. The peasant responded, Maybe it's bad. Maybe it's good. Wait and see. The next day, the stallion returned, followed by 12 wild horses. The neighbors visited him again and congratulated him on his luck. Again, though... He said, 
Well, maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad. Let's wait and see. As it happened, the next day his son was attempting to train one of the wild horses when he fell and broke his leg. Once more, everyone came with their condolences. It's terrible, they said. But again, he replied, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Wait and see. A few days passed, and his poor son was limping around the village with his broken leg. When the emperor's army entered the village announcing that a war was starting, and they were enrolling all of the young men in the village. However, they left the peasant's son since he had a broken leg. Everyone was extremely jealous of the peasant. They talked about his sheer good luck, while the old man just muttered, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Wait and see. I love this story. And I honestly think that it's saying exactly what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying. Nothing is ever all good or all bad. Nothing is ever all pain or all joy. There's no situation on earth so perfect that it erases the possibility of things going wrong. And there's no situation so evil that God cannot be found. I'll say that again. There's no situation so evil that God cannot be found. I don't say that flippantly. I know that there have been 58 school shootings in the U.S. so far this year. I've read Holocaust books. I know that the bubonic plague killed nearly 50% of the entire population of Europe. I know that human trafficking exists and that world leaders bomb schools and hospitals on purpose. And honestly, I know the stories of the people sitting in this room. I do not claim God's presence in those situations lately. My dad died two years ago. It was not good. He had worked incredibly hard his whole life, worked two full-time jobs for years so that we could make ends meet. And he finally retired when he was 72 because a piece of his spine actually broke off and was causing him a lot of pain and he had to have surgery and then recover. I had been after him for a long time to retire so I was really glad that he was finally forced to retire because I knew that he wouldn't otherwise. And then a few months later, He was diagnosed with liver cancer. He is not a drinker. And that cancer spread to his lungs. He is not a smoker. And it finally got in his bones. And he died 
at the age of 73. Within a year, honestly, when I see that picture, it looks like he's aged 20 years. Like, it's crazy. Now, I was mad about this. And sometimes I still am. My dad was a good person, a kind and gentle person, someone who never complained, someone who taught me to hold off on deciding about a person for as long as you possibly can. I wanted him to enjoy the rest of his life. If anyone deserved to, it was him. But you know where God was as my dad was dying? God was with my dad. While I was angry, my dad wasn't. He hadn't worked so hard and been a good person in order to earn God's favor. He hadn't needed to. God didn't owe him more years. In those last weeks, my dad was more loving, more joyful, more peaceful and patient and kind and good and gentle and humble and faithful than ever. And I was blessed to see someone do death with such grace. So is it good that my dad's dead? No. It's painful. And he was in a great deal of pain before he died. And the fact that he didn't get a retirement sucks. But does that pain mean that God was not there? And God is not good? Absolutely not. Was my dad's life all good all the time? No. And we never kept up with the Joneses, ever. But somehow things weren't nearly as easy to label as we like to think. So here is the last section. What do we do with this? How are we supposed to live our lives in a not clear-cut world? Ecclesiastes 7, 16 through 18 says this. Do not be over-righteous, neither be overly wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked. Do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. I find this section of scripture to be so ironic because most people believe Christianity is all about being perfect and keeping rules and hating people who don't. But here's what this section just said. Trying to be perfect is a waste of time and you won't enjoy your life, so stop it. But also, if you do stupid self-indulgent stuff all the time, it'll kill you, so stop it. God made you to exist 
and also to enjoy existence. Here's the bottom line. Good or bad, God loves you. God loves the Joneses. But God loves you too. And God can still be goodness in your life, whether your house costs millions or your housing is unstable. God can still be goodness in your life, whether you are a marathon runner at the age of 90 or you have multiple debilitating diagnoses by age 20. God can still be goodness in your life, whether you've been sheltered from loss and you've, or, or you have experienced unspeakable trauma. God does not forsake people. Does that mean that life will be all good all the time? Nope. But it does mean that you don't have to try and bribe God into liking you. You don't have to earn that with perfection or hide in shame when you do something foolish. Learn from both of those sides of the pendulum and take joy in the middle with the God who creates order and also makes really good wine and parties. I challenge you this week to go out and look for God in the bad places. The difficult, unlovable, uncomfortable places. And when you're tempted to automatically decide that a person or a situation is good or bad, do your best to listen to my dad and that Chinese proverb. And just wait and see. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.